Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atad anai elohenu melech ha'olam asher kedshenu b'mitzvotav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. If you're facing big challenges or impossible situations or someone you care about is, then this Shabbat will encourage you and I think empower you too. This is Shabbat Chazon, the Shabbat of vision or the Shabbat of prophetic revelation. And I want to strengthen your vision by giving you some very practical ways to approach prayer effectively when you're facing challenges or impossible situations. And I'll tell you also some uh, useless ways, four useless ways to pray and how to avoid wasting your time and energy. Moving forward requires preparation of the heart and the mind. And I want to talk to you tonight about an important topic that I call Kadima prayer, prayer that moves you forward. And when we're facing a new challenge, when we're facing impossible situations, and a problem just seems too big for us, we have a secret weapon. We can pray, but not all prayer will actually move us forward. And we don't want to waste time or effort on useless prayer. And we'll have more about that in a few minutes. On this Shabbat, we begin our Torah study reading in Devarim, Deuteronomy. Now, a few words about Deuteronomy. It's a review. It's Moses' review. In Hebrew, Devarim, which means words. And it's centered on words that the Lord has given Moses. He reviews the promises of God. He reviews challenges that Israel has already faced. He reviews the faithfulness of God so far. And he's preparing Israel for the challenges that are ahead. And here's his hope. He, he hopes, Moses hopes, that the people will get their attitudes and perspective right, especially the younger generation, which will go into the promised land. And so for the younger folks who are with us tonight, I'm speaking to you too. And there is a purpose that Moses has, that everyone will get their hearts and their minds right, that they'll get their emotions and their feelings right together with their thoughts and their understanding. Now we're gonna start in a reading in Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 28 through 33. And there's a recollection of the 12 spies and especially those 10 spies who gave the bad report. And let me read what was written. Our brothers, these are the ones who gave the bad report. Our brothers made our courage fail. When they said the people are bigger and taller than we are, the cities are great and fortified up to the sky. And finally, we've seen the Anakim there, the giants. Verse 29, and I answered you, Moses said, I answered you, don't be fearful, don't be full of fear, don't be afraid of them. Adonai, your God, who is going ahead of you, will fight on your behalf, just as he accomplished all those things for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And likewise in the desert, when you saw how Adonai, your God, carried you, like a man carries his child, 
along the entire way you traveled until you arrived at this very place. And yet in this matter, you don't trust the Lord your God. Even though he went ahead of you, seeking out places for you to pitch your tents and showing you which way to go by fire at night and by a cloud during the day. So Moses is telling the people not to be afraid, not to be afraid, but to be courageous. And he took note at the very beginning of what we read that the people's courage had failed them that they had information and reports that actually caused their courage to fail. And it's really important for us to understand that courage can give way to fear. It can be lost. So what we need to face these challenges and the challenging situations like the children of Israel were facing and like we all face in our, in our day and age, are four things I want to be simple and clear about them. We need courage, we need faith, we need hope, and we need desire. Courage so that we can face fearful situations rather than run away in fear. We need faith, not just courage, but courage together with faith. Faith that expresses itself strongly as confidence in God trusting God, faith that can tell God and tell yourself why you trust in him, and faith that enables you to remind yourself that it is good to trust in the Lord. Now, we also need hope, courage, and faith together with hope. Hope is the positive expectation of a future good. We hope for what we don't have yet. What we do have, we're thankful for, but we hope for what we don't have yet. Now, the fourth thing we need in, in this combination of es essential qualities is desire. We need courage, faith, hope, plus desire. We have to have that want to, and it can be a holy desire. A desire that comes from inside of us, a yearning for something. If we have a desire and we add that to our courage, faith, and hope, we can move forward even in difficult times. Now, with that in a moment, we're going to look again at a passage that we considered last week when you could say that, that courage and, and, and hope were failing, and yet faith and desire was, were still at work. And I, I want to point out to you that we're going to read a little bit longer in 2 Corinthians than we did last week, and the extra verses that we read I think will be particularly useful. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians who he wants... Um, to convey his understanding to. He wants to give them the honest truth about what's been going on so that they can understand themselves what's happening and so that they can also do their part. Second Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse eight. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. And I encourage you to just repeat that out loud. Great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. And I'm the kind of person that likes to repeat things, so I encourage you to do the same thing. Far beyond our ability to endure. And then the third statement that Paul made, so that we despaired of life itself. We despaired of life itself. That's how serious it was. Paul is giving the honest truth about the condition that they were in because of the pressure and because they really didn't have more ability to endure. And it caused them to despair of life itself. It can challenge your mental health. It can challenge your sense of the future. It can cause you to if you don't treat it correctly, to just give up, to give in, to go back the way you came, to, to, to lose just because of those difficulties. But then Paul continues and he makes this statement, but indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death. It felt like a death sentence had, had been issued against us. So there are some of you right now who can relate to this. You have been in the throes of, of such, a, such difficulty that you felt like death was attacking you. And I, I want to tell you, you're not alone. Paul experienced that. And I want to remind you that the Jewish people throughout history have gone through such experiences and we have learned not to suppress it, not to hide it, but to experience it and to experience it with God, not alone. And that's why Paul continues and he makes this statement, this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. This is really important because Paul is getting a hold of purpose. And as Yeshua said, those who endure, who hold on to the purpose, the telos, who hold on to the end, the, the end goal, the ultimate purpose, these will see the salvation of God. And, and Paul is saying this happened so that we wouldn't rely on ourselves, but on the Lord. We got to the end of our strength. We got to the place where the pressure was so great, we didn't have the ability. We got to the place where we despaired of life and it seemed like we had received the sentence of death. And there was a purpose so that we would rely on, our, on the Lord and not on ourselves. Sometimes when you go through difficulty and it's familiar territory and you know how to deal with it, you rely on your experience. That's good. That's useful. It's good that you have had the experience that is reliable, that you can depend on. But sometimes it's beyond us. And I want to tell you, it's not shameful to be in that condition. There is a way to approach it that can actually become useful to you. So Paul then goes on and he says something that I think is really powerful for you and for me. He says about God, God has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. He has delivered us 
and he will deliver us again. In times past, the God who saves us, the God who resurrects the dead, has delivered us, and he will deliver us again. In this present moment we're facing that's so difficult, he will deliver us again. And then Paul goes on and says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So the God of eternity is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He has delivered us. He, again, in this present moment, will deliver us, and he will continue to deliver us. It's not a one-time thing. It reaches back into our past. It touches our present circumstances, and his deliverances well will continue well into the future. What, what do we know because of this? We can set our hope on him. Even in the midst of such difficulty, we set our hope on him. So we need courage. We need faith. We need hope as well. And there's a reminder that those who are around us, who Paul is trying to uh, tell, you need to know about what we're going through. They have a part in all of this. What's their part? They help us by their prayers. They have a part, and that is to pray for us. Not to sit in judgment, not to say, oh, it could be easier if you just had this attitude or that attitude. Not, not to be Job's friends, but to be Paul's friends. The type of friends who actually stand in prayer and who pray to the faithful God of Israel for freedom, for deliverance, and for um, a touch from God that reaches into the past, touches the future, and continues. Uh, continues and continues no matter what the circumstances are. And this will cause other people to give thanks to God about the gracious favor that he's granted in answer to the prayers of many people. Now, this perspective helps guide you and me during our difficult times, as well it helps us when we're praying for Israel and for the Jewish people. Praying for Israel and the Jewish people is so important, it's foundational, as is praying with Israel and praying with the Jewish people. And I, I want to point out to you that I've got a picture behind me. It's called a Mizrach. And we got this, Sandy and I got this in Jerusalem back in 1981 when we were there. It was a great trip that we took. We had many, many trips to Israel and we love to be in Jerusalem. I developed the habit of uh, loving to be in Israel when my grandparents, who were citizens in Israel, were living in Tel Aviv, and my brother, my older sister, and I spent a good part of the summer with them uh, one year, and, and it really touched me and got into my heart, and the love of Israel, the love of Jerusalem, has touched my wife, Sandy, and she has become Hovevi Zion, one of the lovers of 
Jerusalem. And she is one of those people who has studied Israel. She's been a lover of Zion. I said, uh, Hovevi, Zion, a lover of uh, Zion, of the city of Jerusalem, but the land and the people as well. And it's foundational. So we have in our house, we have this Mizrach, and it helps us orient ourselves to the eastern direction so that we can easily be reminded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And this is foundational. I want everyone who is who is with us and part of our mishpacha to understand that this is foundational, to always be praying for Jerusalem and to pray for the Jewish people and to pray with the Jewish people. Now to pray for and with Israel is, is essential to us, it's foundational for us. And right now, this uh, period that we're in, the three-week period in summer that begins with the fast of the 17th day of Tammuz, the month of Tammuz, and it climaxes with Tisha B'Av, the ninth of the month of Av, is known simply as the three weeks, and it's a time of grieving, of mourning for the destruction of both the first and the second temples in Jerusalem. The mourning period was first mentioned in the biblical book of Zechariah and the prophets. And since then, it's been observed as a period of sadness. The 17th day of the Hebrew month of Tammuz is a date in which many tragedies have taken place. It's traditionally believed to be the date that Moses broke the original Ten Commandments tablets after coming upon the Israelites when they were worshiping the golden calf. And it was the date associated with the Roman rulers who were forbidding sacrifices to be made in the Second Temple on this date in 69 in the Common Era. And in the following year, the walls of the old city of Jerusalem were breached. This attack led to the destruction of the temple three weeks later. In Hebrew, the period of the three weeks is known as Ben Hametzarim, or literally within the straits or within the borders. It, it comes from a verse in the book of Lamentations, Echa, which is read on Tisha B'Av. It's Lamentations 1. Verse 3, it says, Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelt among the nations. She found no rest. All her pursuers overtook her within the borders. Bain Hametzarim. So it's a time of mourning, three weeks of mourning and some sadness, not despair, but purposeful mourning. We mourn together with all of Israel. We pray for comfort to be poured out. And this is consistent with the teachings of Yeshua who, who taught us, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. So you and I who are followers of Yeshua and everyone who wants to become more like Yeshua or to learn from his teachings and from his ways, we need to learn to mourn, not to suppress and push down our sadness, but to mourn and to take Yeshua's teaching seriously because there is comfort for those who mourn. There's no promise of comfort for those who don't learn to mourn before God. After the fast of Tisha B'Av, which starts on Saturday night this week, and continues until Sunday 
uh, sundown. It's a time to actually shift moods. So after Sunday sundown, it's a time to shift our moods. And the, the mood is captured in a special name for the month. It's called Menachem Av. Menachem Av, the comfort of Av. And the word Av in Hebrew means father. So the traditional name that's given to the rest of this month after Tisha B'Av and after the three weeks of mourning is Menachem Av. It, it means the comforter, comforter of the comfort of the father. So Menachem Av could also be translated in the simple way, the father, the comforter. Menachem Av also speaks to those of us who are disciples of Yeshua as speaking to the Holy Spirit because the gift of the Father is another comforter. One of the things that Yeshua associated with his work as Messiah was to return to heaven after his resurrection so that he could send another Menachem, another comforter. There's a lot to meditate on, a lot to think about. And with all that as timely background for the period that we're in right now, let's go back to the topic of Kadima prayer. And let me say to you, if you are facing challenges during this period, welcome to the Jewish world. This is our world. This is our, um, our history. This is our present circumstance. And it may repeat itself again time after time. Don't be shocked about it. Don't treat it as mysterious. Learn about it. Study. Learn about how the Jewish people respond to such matters and how Messianic Jews and Messianic believers uh, can face such matters. Learn from Yeshua. It will really help. So we're going to return right now to the topic of Kadima prayer, which is timely. We're focusing on a Kadima attitude. Remember, Kadima prayer is prayer that moves us forward. And I want to remind you that not all prayer will actually move us forward. And that could be challenging for super spiritual people. It could also be challenging for novices, for people who are just learning to pray. I'll give you four examples of prayer that don't move us forward. You could call them um, examples because this is not an exhaustive list. There could be other kinds of prayer that won't move you forward, but I want to tell you about four kinds so that you can recognize these four. And, and when you recognize them, you can learn not to fall into them. The first kind of prayer that won't move you forward is what I would call double-minded prayer. It's prayer where we move back and forth between trusting God and not trusting God. James says this, the double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So here's what's important, and you really need to get this settled. Each one of us does. Do you trust the Lord? Yes or no? Remember this, if you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. He won't find fault with you if you ask for wisdom. It's not double-minded to not have wisdom and to ask for it. You might find yourself in a position where you don't know how to pray, and so you ask the Lord for wisdom about how to pray. And 
The double-mindedness is when you're bouncing between this trust in God and not trust in God. And when you're in that position, you haven't settled the matter that you're trusting in God. Don't be double-minded. You won't receive anything from the Lord. Don't expect to receive anything is what James says. So double-minded prayer is a kind of useless prayer. There's another kind of prayer that I would call generic prayer. It, it's prayer without any details. It's polite prayer that has no substance to it. For instance, when you hear about a need that someone has or someone comes to you and you don't know how to pray, ask God how to pray because generic prayer won't be very useful. Generic prayer is something like this. Lord, you know what this person needs. And then all the while inside, uh, you're, you're thinking, I have no idea what this person needs. That's, that generic prayer is really not going to get you anywhere. There's another kind of generic prayer. Lord, if it's your will, what, all at the same time that you're thinking that you have no idea what God wants to do. So it's important to fellowship with the Lord, to, to study the scriptures so that we can be set free from this useless kind of generic prayer. Better to pray in the spirit until you have understanding. Better to open up the scriptures, the Psalms, for instance, and to begin to read the Psalms until something gets a hold of you that shows you how to pray. Now, another kind of useless prayer is what I would call complaining prayer, where all we really do is give voice to all of our complaints about God, about people, about our situation, about our leaders, about the past. Kvetching is not faith. Kvetching is not faith in dirty clothes. Kvetching is just dirty clothes. We don't want to clothe ourselves in complaining. God will not be stirred by your kvetching. He won't be stirred by our complaining, we can talk to him honestly about our difficulties. Yes, we can. But just fetching and just looking back with anger and complaint, that is not going to move the heart of God. And the answers to your prayers will not come through that type of prayer. And then there's a fourth type of prayer that's sort of a paradox in itself. I call it prayerless prayer. And that's where we think about praying, but we never get around to actually talking to God ourselves. Maybe we have prayer notes or we say to ourselves, I should pray. We may even tell someone we will pray, but then we don't pray. And just thinking about praying is not prayer. Prayer is prayer. So then let's focus for a moment on that Kadima prayer again. It's prayer that moves us forward and moves our situations forward, but it's not a formula. It's more of an approach. And remember, it takes courage. It takes faith. It takes hope. It takes desire working together. So what's at the foundation, really, that you build Kadima prayer upon is this, trusting God and loving God and walking with God and staying close to God. I'm not talking to you about a prayer method. And if you're looking for a prayer method, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't really have one. 
I'm not going to tell you something that's a, a promise that really shouldn't be made. I'm not going to tell you you'll be guaranteed to get what you're praying for or what you want. Um, I can't make that promise to you. No one can guarantee you that. If someone tells you if you pray like this a certain way, you say this or that, you do it this way, you're going to get answers just the way you want. I just want to tell you, I'm not making that kind of promise. God, our God is a sovereign king. He's the king of the universe. He's moved by our prayer when our hearts are joined to him. But, but we're the ones who have to learn to pray. We have to get what's in his heart into our heart. We have to get what's in his mind into our mind. So let me just say one more thing. Don't forget fasting and prayer. And as we are in this period of Bein HaMetzarim and as we're facing Tisha B'Av, as we're preparing for the high holidays, including Yom Kippur, remember fasting and prayer work together. When we fast, when we don't eat food or we don't drink or we abstain from certain pleasantries and comforts, we, we basically say to God, I am weak and you are strong. We are rendering our body less strong, our, ourselves less strong, and we are also rendering ourselves more dependent on God. So it's not just fasting. It's, it's not going on a diet, it's fasting and prayer. And let me also tell you, don't forget to pray with other people. We had a great time of prayer this past Wednesday on our online Mishpocha group, uh, praying together. It was powerful, it was wonderful. Prayer together, prayer with each other is, is so important. Don't forget that. So the honest prayer of 2 Corinthians, I want to remind you that honest prayer is, is prayer when we're under great pressure, when, when it's far beyond our ability to endure, when even our mental health is being shaken and our emotional health is being shaken and we're despairing of life itself, as Paul wrote. Let's hold on to the purpose like Paul did. And he said this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And then Paul says, he has delivered us. He will deliver us now. And on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Now, when we do that, when, when we can be honest before God and we can express our, our true sorrows and cast our anxieties upon him, then, then we're able to shift at a certain point to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And I want to tell you, don't just do this uh, as an automatic plan. And don't do it prematurely. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. And if you don't take time to be honest before God about the challenges that you face and the challenges you're experiencing, then you may not be ready for the Philippians 4 
type of prayer. But when you are ready, your heart and your emotions will begin to tell you that you are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Verse 6 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His shalom will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Messiah Yeshua. And then verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I tell you this, as you go through this process that I'm describing, it will become Kadima prayer for you. And this approach will help you get to that place where again you can think about the good things, the excellent things, the beautiful things, the pure things, the true, the honorable, the right, the lovely, the admirable, the things that are worthy of praise. In Philippians, earlier in the chapter, it says something so useful to us, and this can help us sort of wrap up our thoughts in this direction. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 for I know that this difficulty will turn around and I will be rescued and delivered because of your prayers and because of the provision of the Spirit of Yeshua, the Messiah. That confidence can be in us. And it's a confidence that enables us to say, Kadima, forward. We move forward, we move together, and we move with confidence that our God is good and he does great things. And so you can join me in blessing the Lord with a traditional Hebrew prayer that may be unfamiliar to you, but I hope in these days it's getting more and more familiar to, to you. And I'm going to pause after each phrase so that you can have time to say it yourself. Baruch Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam, ha'tov v'hametiv. Blessed are you, you can repeat after me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, the good one and the doer of good. Lord, we're holding on to you. We're keeping your goodness and your faithfulness to deliver us in our hearts and our minds. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us the power of Kadima prayer as we're trusting in you. And even as we're struggling and we're holding on to you, we know this, you're holding on to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And let us all say, Amen. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast, or our Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary Services are a blessing to you, or any of our ministries, would you consider blessing 
our ministry. All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord guard you, protect you as he keeps watch over you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you and may the Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.